As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. Welcome back, y'all. Today, we decided that we wanted to cover something that I think a lot of people have been struggling with, including ourselves, which is social anxiety. With COVID, it's just been weird, like interacting with people, especially as we're transitioning into, I don't even know if I would call it normalcy, but just like, you know, seeing people again, doing public gatherings. I don't know. It can get a little weird. How do you feel about it, Jess? At first, I was actually very worried about re-entering society, uh, as I think many people are. I'm like, oh my God, am I going to be super awkward? But one interesting thing I found was that I had saved up so much energy as an introvert, like being at home. (laughs) So when I am around friends, I do feel a little more energetic than actually I normally would, but still awkward. And also like years have passed, so like people look different. And it's just like, I think everyone's kind of in their heads about like how they look or how things may have changed which we need to normalize all the changes during the pandemic, but still it doesn't mean that you're not going to be in your head about it. So yeah, it's been, it's been. (laughs) Um, And so we are thrilled to have this week's expert guest, Dr. Angela Neal Barnett. Dr. Angela, as she goes by, is a nationally award-winning psychologist, professor, and leading expert on anxiety disorders in Black Americans. Yeah, and we're going to be talking to Dr. Angela about social anxiety, what it is, some key signs that someone might have social anxiety, also tools that will be helpful in integrating back to social life. Before we jump in, I want to highlight a listener review. This one is from Nikki Henry, and they say, this podcast is very interesting and informative. The topics discussed make me want to listen to every single episode. Thank you, Nikki, for leaving that short and sweet sweet review. And if you haven't already, make sure that you hop on over to iTunes. You drop five stars. You can also leave some words if you have a little bit more time. And we might feature it on a future episode. All right, we're going to jump in. So, Dr. Angela, before we even get started with everything we're going to be covering, social anxiety related How are you doing? Because at this point, we've been living through this pandemic for a couple years. I feel like we've all changed for the better, for the worse. (laughs) I don't really know. But how are you doing? And also professionally, how do you see that others are doing around you? Because I'm sure that that's also a really interesting perspective as a mental health professional. Well, I think there's a lot to unpack in that question. So let's start with me. I am doing okay. I find that I have to put myself first. I have to take care of myself. And sometimes that means setting boundaries that I 
have not set in the past. So, for example, I will not work on weekends and I will not answer email on weekends. And I have to put that on my syllabus or say to my staff and my graduate students, I don't answer email. I don't read email on the weekends. People around me are in various states of wellness. Some of them are not doing well at all. Others are barely maintaining. And others, because they're watching me, are trying to model a better sense of caring for themselves. But the past two years, and now we're in year three, are the hardest that I have ever worked in my life in terms of taking care of myself, taking care of family, taking care of everyone, or modeling taking care of my students, my staff, etc. It's a lot of work. And I think that most women in your audience will tell you I've worked very hard these last two years. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just been... Ugh, just for everybody so much. And it's not funny, but it's like unfortunate because like when we started COVID, my husband switched jobs. And so I was seeing a therapist, but then he switched jobs and they didn't accept his insurance. So I ended with the therapist and I'm just now like, okay, like I have an appointment to start with a new one, like this upcoming week. Cause I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is, it's so needed. Because I thought like, oh, we're fine. We're at home. Like no big deal. Like nothing's happening. But I'm like, wait, everything happened? And like, I can't imagine actually being a therapist right now, how heavy the past couple years have been. And also just as we're like re-entering into society, who knows how long this is going to last, which is also <laughs> cause for anxiety. But as we're re-entering into society after not seeing people for a couple years, after even like you know, having your face covered anytime you're around anybody, I think is also like just weird now to like have your face uncovered. But before we get into like social anxiety and COVID, like what exactly is social anxiety and what are some signs that you may have it? So social anxiety is basically what must other people think. And what it is, is it's this fear that somehow, some way, they're either going to think really negative of you or they're going to think extremely positively, positive about you. And can you live up to those expectations? So it's as if you believe that I cannot be what people want me to be. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say the wrong thing. The spotlight's going to be on you. And that makes you really, really anxious. So in a nutshell, what must other people think? Or I think other people will think this. Yeah, and I think for most of us, we all kind of care in some way or another what people think about us, especially for younger people. Like I remember being back in junior high school, everything that I would do, I would be like, I wonder, you know, what my classmates would think. Hopefully I'm not bullied. And with social media, I can even imagine that's even more of a thing now. And also I'm thinking about like reintegrating into society. Like for me, I was quarantining mostly alone during COVID. Um, and so I've just gotten used to 
not really talking to people, especially in person, aside from like my really close friends and family. And so I think a lot of social awkwardness is going to come about out of this, where maybe people haven't been used to having those like social interactions that they were having before. Maybe they weren't even having before. And now you kind of have to be more self-aware about transitioning back into socializing and it not being like super awkward and uncomfortable. So how can we make that transition a little bit smoother when it comes to like just reintegrating back into society? I think there are a couple of things. You know, first of all, most people can trace their social anxiety back to being in middle school or junior high school. And, you know, somebody said something or something happened and then everybody saw it. And that's the source of their social anxiety. The other piece that we we see here is you're right. I mean, we've been masked for so long and masks cover a lot of things. Don't want to put on lipstick, wear your put on your mask. You know, don't want to brush your teeth, put on your mask. I mean, you can get away with many, many things with a mask on. And now that the mask mandates are being dropped, you can't get away with those things. And so those imperfections that you might worry about in your face or just anything you might do, I'd look okay, do I put on my makeup this morning? Those kinds of things are heightened now. And the other piece is we are all socially awkward. We don't know how to make small talk anymore. And even small talk like, how are you? is a loaded question because so much has happened over these last two years that if you ask, how are you? You might hear, you know, my mother died, my grandmother died, my husband has long COVID. You know, you just don't know what you're going to get. So the art of small talk has been lost. And we tend to, we see somebody coming our way, we might go the other way because we just don't have the energy to talk with them. Mm. Oh my God. I have so uh, many questions about that. My first thing that's coming to mind is like, how do you know if it's just anxiety or if it's social anxiety? Yeah, that's a good question. So anxiety is this perception of a future threat. It's this perception that something bad is going to happen. I don't know when, I don't know where, I just know it's going to happen. Social anxiety takes place in places where you have to interact with people. And so for some people, the thought of interacting with people shoots their social anxiety up sky high. For other people, performing in front of other people, or some of us are back at work. So now we have to go into a room and present to other people. Or the boss is having a small, socially distanced dinner party, and we have to go to that. So it's those specific situations those social situations, those performance situations that make it social anxiety. 
Today's episode is supported by Meryl, my latest obsession. I was introduced to this band via our podcast, actually, and now I'm obsessed. I literally have been telling all my friends about it. We recently posted about it on our IG because while in Mexico City, Jess and I have literally been walking everywhere. Mexico City, first of all, y'all need to visit. It's one of my favorite cities in the world, and it's a walkable city. It's scenic. It's beautiful. The weather's perfect for walking, so Jess and I will walk miles and miles on end every single day. And Merrill has tied perfectly into this. Why? Because they make shoes that are out of this world comfortable. For those of you not familiar with the brand, they have a wide selection of shoes, including some of our favorites, the Antora, that's the one that I have, the Bravada and the Siren Edge. And all of them are incredibly lightweight. They have great traction, even for the trickiest of hikes. And these styles are perfect for celebrating International Women's Month since all three were designed with the unique shape of a woman's foot in mind. All three hiking shoes are made as sneakers as well, so the transition from the street to the trail is seamless. So whether you're walking, running, or you're doing a trail, Meryl is here to celebrate you this month by focusing on how less can be more simply by getting outside. In the spirit of celebrating women worldwide, we also heard a rumor that Meryl is launching an awesome hike club later this season to show how women can take it to the trails. And we can't wait to learn more. If you want to stay up to date with this and also shop for some Meryl shoes, you can go to Meryl.com. That's M-E-R-R-E-L-L.com. Again, that's Meryl.com. And we are going to hop back into this episode. Where does this come from? Like, is this something, because I know you mentioned like back in middle school for some people. I know for me, like in school, I always had anxiety and I feel like maybe an element of social anxiety just because I didn't feel like that comfortable. Like in some schools, I would be like the only black kid and like that made me feel really uncomfortable and anxious. And then I think maybe part of the reason why I have anxiety today, but like where does this social anxiety come from and when does it usually start? Well, because psychologists like big words, uh, we say that Social anxiety is biopsychosocial, so that it's this combination of things. You may come from a family where people are anxious, and so that's been passed down to you. Your head could be filled with negative thoughts. So you're walking in school, and you think, well, everybody thinks my dress is wrong, or my something's wrong with my hair, or something of that nature. Or you could have the experience of, you know, I got ready to give a talk in front of the class that, oh my goodness, my pants fell down. And so everybody laughed, everybody remembered it, those types of things. I mean, one of the things that particularly we hear for Black women is about being the only one. And so realizing, particularly as one hits 13, 14, 15, as one hits puberty, realizing that, oh my goodness, I'm the only one here who looks like me, you know, and I stand out. What people think about you or what you perceive people as thinking about you as a Black woman, as a Black teen, plays a role in that. So it's not one set thing, but it's a combination of those things that trigger social anxiety. And you mentioned small talk. I want to dive a little deeper into that because I know it could be a helpful tool when socializing with other people. However, 
that can be tricky because especially now, like a how are you doing can be a really loaded question. and You don't really know how someone is going to respond to that because there has been so much going on. And so in thinking about practical conversation starters that aren't too heavy, what are some things that people can use to approach conversations? What are conversation starters in 2022? Uh, not much. You know, <laughs> I, the weather is a loaded question these days right. because of climate change. And, you know, <laughs> that is so true. There really is not anything safe to talk about. I don't know if there was before the pandemic. We were just better at small talk. So what I would say is we have to practice. And you have to be prepared to respond however the person responds. So, you know, now you ask people, how, hey, how are you? Do you really want to know? Is their response? And then how are you going to respond? Sounds like things haven't been going so well. And yes, I'm here to listen. Or, you know, you could say, what's up? What's up, man? You know, and, you know, but again, that's, that's the how are you? And you might just get like a piece or something like that, but there is no safe, small talk question anymore. Mm. Unless you want to do something directly related to work. Even that's dicey. Oh, did you see the email from, and you might get a yes. But you also might get, I can't believe she wrote us and we are just back in the office. Mm. So what I would say is that what has to happen is you're going to have to be prepared for whatever you get. And what you can't do is, or you can do it, but it defeats the purpose of being back at work is run in the other direction. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Bye. <laughs> yeah, you know, that what the pandemic or the dual pandemics actually have forced us to do is listen to each other and be empathetic. But everyone's empathy, including that of therapists, it's at an all time low. Empathy yeah. is in short supply. It isn't. Yeah, because I think everyone is just processing their own grief and trauma. Yes. And it's hard to have a lot to give to others. Yes. But I almost feel like don't even ask. I mean, I don't know because like nothing's worse than like what you're saying. For example, when I, let's say I call someone for like customer support and they're always like, how are you? And it's like a script and I'm just honest. I'm like, I'm okay. Not the best, not great. And then they try to cheer it up like, oh, that's so great to hear. Like they're not even listening to what you're saying. I'm like, I just said I'm not doing well. (laughs) But I think maybe, you know, not asking or if you're not in the place to like engage might be kind of the best strategy. Even with email too. I know that the popular email was, I hope this email finds you well during these unprecedented times, (laughs) which was like an opener, but also like, I don't know. It was a way to like, acknowledge what was going on, but also not directly kind of ask people. So maybe something like that. You know, and for most people, the answer was no, it does not. I I am not. Well, I would say that we have to be willing. Again, this, this is what has happened, that the way we know to interact at work has gone away. 
And so are we willing to do a little more work in, in interacting at work? Or are we, or do we just say, okay, we don't interact anymore? And that's not what we want to do because when we isolate ourselves, we put ourselves at risk for more anxiety, we put ourselves at risk for depression, we put ourselves at risk for loneliness. And so we have to figure out as individuals and as a nation, how do we now interact with each other? So is it something like, oh, how did your kids do during the pandemic? That's a great and one. And be willing to listen for two minutes as to how the kids did during the pandemic? Or how did you survive homeschooling? And if they say, we didn't, and you could just say, that's honest, it was really rough. So that's our new small talk now, which is actually being a little more intrusive in people's lives. Yeah. No, I think that's super helpful. I know when we first came out of pandemic, it was like, which vaccine did you get? Yeah. But then that's also a loaded question. That's a loaded question. Yeah. Because then the, what follows up if they say Johnson and Johnson, you have to say, are you boosted? Or if they say Pfizer, oh, are you going to get the fourth? You know? Or if they say none, it's like, get away. <laughs> and people are discovering that people who they thought were vaccinated are not vaccinated. Right. And are espousing all the research that has been disproven. So, it's, you know, I do not know, and I think this is what therapists are practicing with their clients, what is safe and what is not safe to say. What are safe questions to facilitate conversation in the workplace? want to take a few minutes to talk about one of our newest podcast sponsors, Oma Beauty. We are thrilled to have Oma join because first of all, the company was founded by a black woman. She's Nigerian born and she wanted to create a beauty brand that was inclusive of people, different shades, because we know, especially for women who have darker skin tones, it could be really hard to find beauty products that work well with a wide variety of darker skin tones. And Oma Beauty is known for their iconic, award-winning Say What Foundation that has 51 available shades and six different formulas to cater to your skin type the best. 99% of people that tried it found their perfect shade match. And all you have to do is take their 30-second quiz online and you'll be able to find your shade. It's as easy as that. Oma is dedicated to the idea of makeup being accessible for all, and it moves away from traditional beauty industry norms. They're 100% cruelty-free and pride themselves in being the only foundation brand on the market with a shade for everyone. I also love that their products are accessible, affordable. They don't cost all of this money. And if you go to omabeauty.com forward slash food heaven, you will get 20% off site-wide. That is U-O-M-A-Beauty.com forward slash food heaven. Again, that's U-O-M-A-Beauty.com forward slash food heaven. And you'll get 20% off your entire purchase for your first order. All right. So make sure you check them out. Let us know what you think. And we're going to hop back into our episode. 
When it comes to social anxiety, are there helpful tools that you've used in your practice? I know you mentioned role-playing. Are there others that people can incorporate? Sure. The gold standard to help people who are struggling with uh, anxiety is to teach them cognitive behavioral techniques or for them to engage in cognitive behavioral therapy. We'll hear people call CBT. Uh, And that is how your mind and your body work in conjunction with one another. And so the most important thing is to call it what it is. It's anxiety. And many, many people suffer from anxiety. And over the pandemics, it has gone up. The amount of anxiety experienced by people, particularly women, has increased. So call it what it is. Okay. So by calling it what it is, then we can begin to address it. One of the things that we know is that even when one is anxious, it is important to do what you have set out to do. So if you're in this meeting and you become really, really anxious, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay because what you will find is that anxiety will only go so high and then it will come down. But most of us don't stay and so we don't learn that. So we run from the anxiety. And then self-talk. This is just anxiety. You know, it is social anxiety. I need to start my presentation. I need to make it through slide one. Great. I've made it through slide one. It's just anxiety. Let me make it through slide two. So self-talk is very important. You know, in there's a form of CBT called ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. So It's about accepting the fact I'm anxious. You know, what does that mean? And let me go forward. So all those types of things can be extremely helpful in combating social anxiety so that you don't have to live, you know, bound by the anxiety that you can reclaim your life. You can perform the things that you want to. Some people self-medicate. You know, they use alcohol or they use drugs to combat the social anxiety. So, you know, we know that marijuana, that there are lots of people, particularly Black, Black Americans, Black women, who will smoke a blunt before they do something just to decrease their anxiety. You know, CBT works better. And there is medication, and the medication takes the edge off the anxiety. But you still have to do the work. You still have to do some form of CBT to overcome the anxiety. That's such helpful advice. And also just considering medications when appropriate, because I know so many people where the medications have helped them so much, and it's necessary, like you said, to take the edge off. So I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people. Absolutely. The decision to take medication is yours, but there is nothing wrong with taking medication. It's just important to understand that the medication alone is not enough. You want the medication with some form of cognitive behavior. Mm. 
Okay, so kind of in wrapping, I know that with COVID, there's a spectrum of how we're all coping, right? Like I have friends who don't feel comfortable seeing anyone like inside. And I have friends where they're not even thinking about COVID anymore. (laughs) So how can we realize this, that everyone's levels of anxiety are different and everyone's comfort with things are different. How can we kind of work towards respecting where people are at and not minimizing or disregarding their anxiety? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in Ohio where that doesn't happen. Well, I mean, that's the big, uh, that's the big controversy here in Ohio. Again, we need to understand that different people are at different places. Where am I at? So first of all, you need to be very clear in your identity in terms of where am I at in terms of COVID. I don't know how we teach grown folks how to respect each other's values. I certainly know how we teach adolescents, which is through values clarification and to be respectful. But we are at such loggerheads in this country where people think nothing of yelling at mask wearers in public places, or people think of nothing of yelling at non-mask wearers in public places. You know, I teach at a university, and right now the regulation is that when you're being taught, you have to wear a mask. And so we practice and generate idea of how to be respectful of our non-mask wearing students while at the same time getting them to wear the mask. Again, they're just different ways to do that. You know, you might just walk by the desk and place the mask on. And then there are some people who have had to dismiss class because people have said, you're not going to violate my rights and I'm not going to wear the mask. And the fact is, there is no good way to do this in this country because we have chosen not to listen to one another. Yeah, it comes down to respecting where someone else is. And like you said, also knowing where you stand so that you can set boundaries. I think boundaries is something that has come up so much during the pandemic. We actually did a whole episode about it because so many lines have gotten blurred (laughs) these past couple of years. And it's really important to be clear on where you stand and where other people stand. This has been such an incredible episode in wrapping. Can you tell us where people can learn more about your work, where they can find you? Sure. They can follow me at Twitter at Dr. Angela and Angela spelled with a J. Or I am a professor at Kent State University in the psychological sciences department. So they can log on to the psychology department website and learn more about me. And I know that the actual website for the Program for Research on Anxiety Disorders, which I direct, will be listed in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. 
Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday, and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.